Welcome back to the Institute of World Mission podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ott, and it's a blessing and a privilege for us to be able to continue this weekly show completely dedicated to Adventist cross-cultural mission. Today, we are taking a step into the future and would like to take a look into our mission in the post-COVID-19 world. At least, we have faith that the most acute crisis connected with this particular pandemic is behind us and things will begin slowly stabilize. Yes, we know this is not so in all parts of the world, though we continue praying for the mission and missionaries to have an opportunity to go and serve. Today with us are my colleague, the Associate Director of the Institute, Ronald Kuhn. Ron will be interviewing our guest on the IWM podcast, Dr. G.T. Ng. Dr. Ng is the Executive Secretary of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He's directly involved with cross-cultural mission endeavors of our movement, since, as you know, historically the missions programs of our church were administered from our church's secretariat. Without any further ado, let us now transition to the interview. Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org podcast to view this podcast's show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. We welcome Dr. G.T. Ng, our Executive Secretary for the Seventh-day Adventist Church worldwide. Welcome, Dr. Ng. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. We are so glad to have some minutes with you and uh, talking about some of the challenges and opportunities that the COVID pandemic of 2020 present itself to the world and to the church. Some few questions uh, to you. In the past six to eight months, depending where you are looking, let's say Asia or North America, Europe, but let's say the past eight months have been unprecedented in recent times. Do you remember any other global crisis similar to the current COVID-19 pandemic? Uh, No, not at all. Uh, This is absolutely uh, something that has caught the world by surprise. It has caught many Seventh-day Adventists by surprise. Uh, in terms of its uh, intensity, in terms of its uh, the toxicity of the disease, and in terms of the duration of the virus infection. So this is absolutely unheard of in the history of the world, except perhaps uh, 1918 uh, world pandemic. At that time, we have uh, what we call uh, a Spanish flu that kill millions of people. But as far as this situation in which we find ourselves, this is totally unheard of in the history of the world. I've been reading uh, about uh, different pandemics, uh, different periods of time, but nothing like it. In terms of uh, the number of people infected, not to the same extent as the number of people who die because uh, 1918 pandemic people, more people uh, die as a result. But you know what? Even though we are caught by surprise, God is never surprised. He, yes. he saw that thing coming. You see, 
And uh, he, he knew all along in his omissions that uh, uh, the world has to go through uh, birth pangs or the beginning of sorrow, as Jesus mentioned in Matthew 24, verse 8. This is a series of events the world must go through. And as we come closer to the final deliverance, those events will increase in terms of frequency and intensity. So true. Thank you. And yes, I totally agree with you that uh, the world has not witnessed such a global crisis for the following reason. With the globalization, um, I'm sure you would agree that uh, nowadays, uh, let's say flights and communication everywhere, the whole world has been affected. Even the countries that maybe we have had few countries that nobody died, but they themselves were locked down. They, they were affected by this tremendous, let's say, global uh, pandemic. But they were afraid that this might affect them as well. So the, the economics, their social community life, nobody were able to escape. This is a fact. Well, crisis such as the one we are currently witnessing represents a tremendous challenge to the structure and mission of the church. In your understanding, Dr. GT, what has been the impact on the global church? How are we doing as a church? What has changed? Uh, the impact has been more than we care to admit. The impact has been uh, devastating uh, on different fronts. For example, the impact is felt in the way we worship, okay? The, because of lockdown situation, it is impossible to worship in person. And because we cannot be present in person, our tithe and offerings have dropped off negatively. And so because of the shortfall in tithe and offering, conferences and unions are having to find ways and means to cut costs and also to retrench stuff. You know, at the general conference, we had to do the same thing to do away with workers that have been found to be redundant as a result of the shortage of fun. So this is a very serious situation. And for uh, literature evangelism, our literature evangelists cannot go from door to door. So they have to try other means to sell literature. Public evangelism has also been affected. So they have to resort to um, other means of uh, preaching the gospel. But we have to remember Paul's counsel to Timothy. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. <laughs> so this is out of season. And uh, Paul's admonition is continue preaching if not by certain means, but by other means. We should not let the work stop. So thankfully, small group meetings are going strong, and, uh, but our education institutions have suffered financial losses because of drop of uh, student enrollment. So as a whole, uh, it is not a pretty picture. Yes, and we have, um, you are so right, we have had to rethink and readjust to certain realities. Thank God for also for global technology that help us to connect uh, and 
And um, somebody said uh, uh, that Satan came to God and said, you know, I managed to close all your churches nowadays. And God looked down to him and said, yeah, but I open one in every home. So is this, isn't this, Dr. Titi, an opportunity as well for us to use technology as a church? Oh, yes, absolutely. When I think of opportunities uh, in a crisis situation like this, I get excited because we are now back to the New Testament era. What do I mean by that? You look at the New Testament church, they had no pastors. They had no theological seminary. They had no church buildings. They had no finances. They had no social status. And yet, they turned the then known world upside down. How did they do that? Today, we have pastors. Today, we have theological seminaries. We have uh, plenty of church buildings. We have finances. We have social acceptability. You know, can we do more? (laughs) You see? So by the situation in which we find ourselves, we are back to the New Testament era in that every home has become a church, like you mentioned. And this is the way Christianity uh, expanded uh, exponentially during the time of the New Testament. It is by the word of mouth. Every church member was a believing church member. Every church member was an evangelist propagating the gospel by word of mouth. It's that powerful. Of course, the Holy Spirit play a a big role in uh, empowering the church, empowering the disciples. Uh, Started with 12 and then we had... 120, and so it multiplied by the thousands. So it's an exciting time to be. It is a time for for every church member to be alive, to be a New Testament believer, uh, going back to the primitive godliness, you know, sharing faith with every household, uh, friends and colleagues. So that's that's one opportunity that uh, we can do. Another opportunity is that we discover we can do more with, with less. It is possible, we discover, to increase what we are doing with less resources. You know, a story was told of Bill Gates uh, of Microsoft, the founder of Microsoft. Uh, visitors are constantly come and go. And there was one visitor that came to visit Microsoft, asked him the question, Sir, uh, how many people work here in Microsoft? And uh, his answer was about half of them. I'm not suggesting half of our workers uh, goof off, you know, but his, his point is well taken. Uh, not everybody is working uh, conscientiously. So can we tighten our belt? Yes, we should. At the John Conference, we are leading the way of tightening our belt to do away with services that we think are not necessary to do away with facilities which we think uh, we can do without. So we discover we can get along with less people while achieving the same level of uh, productivity. Another thing we discover is that uh, travel uh, has become optional. It is not an absolute necessity to travel, you see, which is unthinkable to, uh, to many people. 
you know, and thanks to uh, Zoom technology, you know, and, and other video conferencing uh, software, we can communicate very well. Of course, there is no replacement as far as in-person meetings are concerned. Now, we can talk about, about shaking hands, patting each other on the back, uh, looking at each other eyeball to eyeball. You know, Zoom cannot replace that, you know. But in the less ideal situation uh, that we have, video conferencing is a great feature. Another thing we discover is that office buildings have become almost redundant. I went to the office the other day. I could count on one hand the number of people I met in the hallway. We are restricted by Montgomery County to have certain number of individuals in the building. So with such a huge building, you know, almost empty, and having to pay with the maintenance of this huge building. So we cannot help but ask ourselves, uh, are buildings still necessary? You know, we, we read in the papers the other day about the REI outdoor company uh, having built a brand new uh, headquarters in Seattle, Washington. And uh, they were about to move in in the month of July, this past July. And uh, they discovered because of COVID-19, uh, it was not necessary, not necessary to move to the headquarters anymore. And in the end, they decided to sell the building. Can you imagine selling a brand new building? You know, and instead, they divided the offices into four centers, I believe. You know, unbelievable. Buildings have become redundant. We can do our work in a decentralized manner. So maybe it is uh, God's message uh, for us to, to work smart, uh, to work differently uh, than we used to do. Uh, another opportunity I can think of is that there is a mission awakening. You know, uh, because of COVID-19, uh, people are asking questions. People who are losing hope, they, they, they ask the question, why is this taking place? My wife is giving Bible study to a person and that's what she has been asking almost in every Bible study. Why is this happening? She had no idea because this is highly unusual, highly out of the ordinary. And for so long, we have been in this pandemic for six months, seven months. And the end is not yet in sight. We have not seen the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel. And, uh, and WHO is telling us this thing may take two years to go away if it does go away. A prolonged infestation of this virus is a norm of the day. And uh, so this, this crisis has, aw has awakened many people from their slumber. They're asking questions. No wonder there is a, a huge hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And what an opportunity for mission advancement because of this awakening. So, we used to say, Dr. Ing, yes. that we are the people of hope. And in the middle of despair and hopelessness, our church and our, our 
workers all over the world have our members let's say we are members of this church that has a message of hope and so exactly. as you said this is an opportunity tremendous tremendous opportunity we have a hope channel but every local church should be a center of hope <laughs> right yes. uh, we should offer prayer service for all the neighborhood okay we offer free prayer service okay if you have a request come if you if need a shoulder to cry on come we are people of hope there is hope yes don't be deterred by what you see around us everything is hopeless whichever way you look at financially in terms of health in terms of political turmoil there is no hope but yes. we have hope in jesus and what an opportunity that brings us and so talking about this and uh, this is very inspiring and we have in, let's say we have cross culture workers volunteers missionaries and uh, people who are serving in the front lines were caught by the by the pandemic in one way or the other and they are away from let's say from their their family from their the roots uh, and they are in some somehow in some situations they are affected and um, and have some i would say additional challenges when you are away from your from your let's say your the comfort zone let's put this way what what message do you have for these uh, frontline workers dr ing uh it is a very difficult situation not being able to connect with your family you know especially missionaries that want to go for their annual leave you know it's impossible to travel we have no permission to travel uh, we have been having this travel monitorium for 6 7 months now and it's not going to end anytime soon so many people are asking for annual counsel uh, for my wife and i uh, we have resigned to the fact that we may have to take vacation uh, locally where we are it is uh, the new normal we have to adjust ourselves to the good old days are over this is a new uh, situation that we have to get adjusted to and uh, because we are in a new normal and uh, because we're in a new normal we cannot continue business as usual it should be a time for for mission unusual because of the unusual situation we find ourselves we should engage in in mission unusual activities whatever we need to do we need to uh, double up our effort you know we need to um, pray daily for the unctions of the spirit so that we can continue to be channels of blessing to those we we work with and uh, for our colleagues for our loved ones uh, and so on and so forth you know and and, and this pandemic brings us a lot of good news and one of them is that we see with our eyes the great controversy happening in front of us and this is okay. this is what's happening uh, uh, if i read my spirit prophets correctly uh adam white mentioned somewhere that uh satan has the capacity to poison the air and this is what we are experiencing now poisoning the air and there is no guarantee uh that we can be safe we cannot be too careful in protecting ourselves even no matter how careful we are we still can be uh infected with this uh, dreaded disease 
but great controversy is staging. But the good news is God is the victor. God wins. That's the, that's the message of Revelation, the book of Revelation. God wins and Satan loses. God is a God of victory. This is, this is most uh, heartening as far as I'm concerned. Great message. God is winning the battle. In fact, when Jesus died on the cross, he overcome the last enemy, which is death. And what Satan is trying to do is to create a problem. But he knew his fate has been sealed. There is no hope for him. That's the reason why we need to turn our attention to Jesus. Our only hope, our only sanctuary, our only fortress. And this is exciting that we are on the side of Jesus. It is so true. What a, what a time we what time we live. What what a wonderful opportunity. And yes, we all have we all have challenges. I I like you. I don't know if I'll be able to visit my old uh, aging parents um, and my in-laws. And they really need us. They need the children uh, in times of lockdown. Um, and uh, we we don't know. And it is interesting that when we think about how we can be useful around us. We find reason to to leave, and we and we get more, let's say, hope and and, and less discouragement. So, would you say that missionaries in the front lines will will be more uh, hopeful, finding uh, opportunities to serve instead of just looking how can we get out of this situation? If we can change the let's say the lockdown or the rules of the countries, how do we, what message do you have for those who are stuck? Let's use the word stuck or locked down somewhere. Wherever you are serving now, you are seen as a leader of the church. You are a representative of the church. You are an ambassador for the church. You are an example of the church. And people look to you for counsel. People look to you for hope. And uh, as leaders, we have to uh, 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 think about this matter in different fronts. First of all, we have to tell our people where, wherever you are located that the pandemic has a message to all of us. What is God trying to tell us for seven months now? Since the beginning of the year, what is his message that he tries to uh, uh, deliver? And if there is a message, are we listening to that message? You see, because the pandemic is an event that triggers a sense of urgency or it should trigger a sense of urgency. It is a motivation to make a change. So for missionaries, it starts with us. Not my mother, not my father, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Remember that song, the old Negro spiritual? It's, yes. it's my favorite. Not the yes. pastor, not the deacon, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So it starts with me. You know, pandemic should trigger a, a sense of urgency in me. Uh, it, should, it should motivate me to make a change, you know on different fronts. For example, it should make a change, it should motivate me to make a change in terms of uh, spiritual awakening. You know, if the way, if the way I uh, do my morning devotion, 
the same way as I did six, seven months ago before COVID-19 struck, then there is something wrong with my spirituality. If today I'm praying more and studying more, that means I'm hearing to the message of God trying to tell us to wake up. If nothing has changed after six, seven months, then we need to re-examine myself. So the first awakening is spiritual awakening. Then we need to have a financial awakening. Sure, we are all faithful uh, tithe payers. We are very faithful in our stewardship program. But we know what is coming. Uh, with this pandemic going on, the next crisis, we can see it will be financial crisis because many countries in the world are virtually bankrupt. And there is a point beyond just printing money, flooding the country with, with money that has no value. In fact, that's exactly what the Bible tells us. Money will lose its value very quickly. There will be an astounding uh, a loss of value in terms of money. Many, money will become valueless. So are we awakening to that? So not only we should be faithful stewards, but we should surrender our finances to God. Because knowing that if we, if we uh, keep money until the end of time for our own selfish desire, then it is not God's plan for us. Uh, Mrs. White tells us if we have uh, to pray earnestly for God's wisdom as to how to dispose of our personal assets, God will tell us. You see, whether it is a fixed deposit, whether it is your business portfolio, whether it is your property, whatever that is, we have to put them on the altar. That's, that's financial awakening. Sure, we can choose not to, but they're going to be gone anyway. <laughs> they're going to disappear in terms of value. So we have to make a choice, not only on a personal basis, but corporately as well, uh, as a whole. Right? If you are a conference on the union or the hospital, uh, we have properties. What are we going to do with those properties? Are we going to uh, liquidate them and to turn them into money for mission? Or are we continue holding on? You know, some organizations pride themselves of having 200% liquidity, 200% working capital. For what? When the Lord comes, He's going to ask us, why is there still $20 million in the coffer? What have you done as a steward? Why didn't you invest the money in mission instead of keeping for rainy days? So this is a, has become an accountability issue, isn't it right? So true. And we may need to re, reorient our priorities. You are touching some of the very important points. Even in the front lines, people need to reorient their priorities. How are we, how are we focusing our resources and our yeah. talents and our property and my even starting i like your concept of starting with me we talk about unity in the church quite often we put it far away at the head office and here and there but unity starts with me and we are a decentralized church so you are touching some very very important aspects what are some of the final thoughts you would like to leave with them with, a, with, with our network around the world. No, Dr. I'm not ready for a final thought. Yeah, I'm not ready. I'm not uh, finished with this section yet. <laughs> so first of all, there should be uh, uh, a spiritual awakening in me. There should be financial awakening in me. And there should be a mission awakening in me. You know, 
many times I tell you, um, I see individuals having this, what I call mission inertia. We, we acknowledge the importance of mission. We know mission must be done, but there is an inertia there. Why? Because we are so comfortable. Once we're elected, once we are appointed, we sit down and uh, be comfortable. Uh, we seem to believe nobody can touch me, not until the end of my term. So position is a sacred trust, and yet we, we use position as a sanctuary, you know, because we don't want to rock the boat. Another issue is about leadership. It has to be leadership awakening. Next year is, is um, uh, election year. How are we going to elect leaders? Okay, or, or spiritual leaders or popular leaders? If there is a, a competition between representation and qualification, which will we choose? You see, uh, I know representation is a big thing around the world. You know, we want my tribe, my country to be represented. But what is the point of having representation without qualification? You see, those are big issues. There has to be awakening in the leadership area. And, uh, and so I can, I can go on uh, to talk about uh, different issues. But as to the final thoughts, I think uh, we should listen to Isaiah's uh, counsel to Hezekiah. Uh, remember Hezekiah was to die and uh, Isaiah told him to set your house in order. <laughs> so again, we go back to the theme. It's me. It's me, O oh Lord. I am the one that need to be changed. Dr. Ng, he <laughs> did not want that message from the prophet to, to be fulfilled. He, think, he thought he knew better and he pleaded. Yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> okay, finally, I'd like to quote this verse, Revelation 19, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. This is our hope. The wedding is coming. The feast is coming. The marriage of the Lamb is coming. We are more hopeful than, than we have ever been before. Jesus is coming. We are full of hope. Now we are waiting for the outpouring of the Spirit. That's what we pray for every day. Revival and reformation has to start in us, in me. You see, without the, 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 uh, the latter rain, we'll be powerless to evangelize the world. 7.4 billion populations around the world. We need the Holy Spirit every day until yes. Jesus comes. Amen. Thank you so much for inspiring, for challenging, for setting the priorities right for us individually. Yes, you're right. It has to start with me, Ron, with me, my family. And, um, and we should then, only then, in unity, when we humble ourselves, we, we need to humble ourselves a bit more so God can use us Amen. wherever we are. Amen. So thank you, Dr. Ng, for your, your willingness to come and spend some minutes with us, sharing your heart and your experience and your advice and counseling. We very much appreciate. May I, may I ask you to pray for our frontline workers, for our church around the world? Sure, I'll be happy to. Dear Lord, 
we cannot get along without you. In this unusual circumstance in which we find ourselves, we need you more than ever before. We know you have seen this coming, but we have not. Help us to renew our faith and confidence in your leadership of this church. This church started more than 150 years ago. It is still running. We know that you are at the helm of this ship and you will bring this ship safely to shore. Thank you for being the captain of our ship. Thank you, Jesus, for the many providences you have done for this church. This is no ordinary church. This is a prophetic church with a prophetic mission, with a prophetic message to a world that is dying, to a world that has lost hope. So we pray that you may enthuse each of our missionaries, either ISC missionaries or Adventist volunteer service missionaries. They are all very precious in your sight. Help each one to know that they have been endowed with special gifts with which they can use to proclaim your everlasting gospel. So we thank you for the promise of the latter rain. May we pray for it every day, knowing that you will fulfill your promise and give us so much rain that we might be able to finish the work which you have entrusted to each one of us. Protect us from harm and danger. Help us always ever looking and look up and lift up our heads for our redemption is drawing near. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Special thanks to Elders Ron and GT for this conversation. We are concluding this episode of the IWM podcast, but before signing off, let me just give you a quick reminder. If you're new and haven't had the chance to subscribe to this show, please do so on your podcasting app of choice. We currently support Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. If you are into Adventist missions, we hope to be part of your journey. My name is Alex Ott, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Mm -hmm.